Well, hello. I'm James S. Aaron, and this is Marathon Author, a podcast about building a creative career. It's a marathon, not a sprint. I share lessons I've learned and mistakes I've made, so hopefully you don't make them too. One of the things that I heard from last week was a little bit of confusion about, is the podcast going to change at all, or will there be a new feed or anything? And nothing should really change. Like, you'll see some graphics update, and the URL will change, but that's only for the web stuff. Like if you're listening through your, whatever podcatcher you use, there should be no change. And as far as iTunes goes, it will just update on there and everything will be the same. The focus of the podcast will change just a little bit. Um, I'm going to be hopefully doing more interviews. I want to be able to talk to other writers about how they are pushing their creative careers forward, where what they've learned along the way, and so they can share those with uh, with everybody else. It's been a, another week that just flew by. I think if you're in the U.S., you know that it was it's still an ongoing kind of uh, crazy time. And for me, that ties into what I want to talk about this week, which is consistency. And it feels like a lot of people, like maybe this is in the air buzzing around. You know, I think when things are... I don't want to say unstable, but uncertain, you know, you look at just like the stock market, for instance, and, you know, when you see uncertainty in the stock market, it's when it looks like it's, there's uncertainty in the future coming up. Um, it's the same thing where can we depend even on our, on TV shows that we love or books that we love, or I think, you know, when someone makes a promise and that promise doesn't come through, like say for a TV show that gets canceled, that messes with people on a somewhat fundamental level. And I think as a creator, it's, it's kind of the same thing. Like I, am I being consistent? Am I making a promise? Am I fulfilling that promise? And if you do that, if you show up consistently for an audience, they will take care of you. They want to support what you do. And I'm, I'm seeing little bits of that all over the place. It feels like maybe, maybe it's also, we're getting into end of the year and people starting to think about resolutions and things like that. And, um, yeah, it's been, it's been on my mind. And so that's part of why I'm, I'm jumping in to just starting the podcast back up again, getting right into it because consistency is, is more important. I think, you know, you hear perfectionism is the, the enemy of, of good or getting things done. It's the same thing for being consistent, uh, with any, as showing up as a creator, doing it day in, day out, or at least shipping the product is what, matters over time and over time is what creates careers. That's what I'm telling myself. So, okay. Touching back on goals from last week, the big thing that was coming up was SFF con, which was a new virtual convention that my friend, Amy Duboff, author, Amy Duboff was putting together. And it was, I'm not going to say it was a spur of the moment thing, but I think it had been brewing in her mind for a while to do something like this. And she reached out to a group of friends who could potentially head up panels and we all jumped in to help. And we contacted other authors to be on these panels. And the thing that Amy really needed to do and what she has a, a friend who's also in video production, James Fox, who jumped in to help make some of this stuff work and kind of reached out to other people that were already doing not conventions, but video online where you, you know, doing interviews and just the, the nuts and bolts of what it takes to make that work. And they pulled it off. Amy um, and her friends locally were able to manage all of the, you know, people show up, log in, they're in the, the backroom area, and then the panelists bring them into the interview. We do a panel and, and it was great. I headed up three panels, which I think 
if I had to do it over again, I probably would not do three panels. <laughs> That's two in one day is is definitely enough just to bring the energy that I want to bring and to do the research that I think um, while you can depend on folks to, you know, have a good conversation and bring their own things they want to talk about. I did realize that a couple of the topics that I had, I probably would have wanted to tweak the topics a little bit. The podcasting panel was probably the one that I was most invested in. And we had some great panelists in that Tom Merritt, Lauren Moore, Mark Leslie Lefebvre, Josh Hayes. Uh, and so we had a really good conversation, I think with folks, you know, Tom Merritt is on the very professional end of things. Mark Leslie Lefebvre is also on the professional end. Keystroke is on a bit of a, a looser, I'm not gonna say they're unprofessional, but they, they do a different kind of show that's more fun and interacting with the audience and that makes things different. And so it was a really, it was a great show. And I think the main takeaway was kind of like that consistency, right? If you have an idea for a podcast, jump in and do it. Definitely. It helps if you put some work into really thinking through your idea recording some episodes in advance so that, you know, if you've got five episodes in the can, you immediately get past that five episode hump that a lot of shows make it to that and then stop when people realize that, oh, I can't actually talk about this thing for a whole year. So, and then the other big takeaway I want to say is, is community. I think like that's something that Keystroke is really founded on sword and laser. Tom Merritt's show has a, a really thriving community on Goodreads and, Mark Leslie Fabe's community and the way he serves a community through his podcast. Um, those are all things that they said, give them energy and help keep them going, which is vital for getting over that hump. And I think the same thing with, you know, with me thinking about my writing and podcasting in general, like if I'm not serving an audience, then I'm basically just kind of talking into the void, right? I'm not trying to communicate with anybody. And for me anyway, doing this is all about trying to communicate with folks and, and kind of serve what they, what they need. You can tell a story, but once you start inviting feedback, you realize pretty quickly that if you're not communicating, if the story isn't coming across, then you did not accomplish your goal. And it's really difficult to separate sometimes that feedback from yourself because you associate it with yourself. But the story, the, the message is a separate thing. And the, the audience helps you find the most clear message, I want to say. Um, so that, that was a great panel. The, the other one I did was Space Invasion, which I think if I could do that one over again, I would have tweaked the topic just a little bit because it felt like we kind of reached some points where we had said everything we wanted to say about Space Invasion as writers, but it was still a really good conversation. And I think it, it got into some world building. That was where it was really great. Like looking at the fundamentals of the whys of something like this, like, does it even make sense to invade another planet? And I think we all acknowledge that the idea of space invasion and alien invasion in a lot of ways is tied to things like the red scare in the fifties. And so when, if you just look at it on that level or fear of the other, or that kind of thing, um, that's how it, it works. And if you're really trying to dig into it from a rational perspective, a lot of ways it doesn't work. <laughs> and and so how, what are we doing to kind of readdress that or update that idea or use that idea to drive character and people still do plenty of things for irrational reasons. And that was one of the things that we, we dug into. So it was a great conversation there. And then the last one was, um, AI cybernetics and robots. And that was a great mix of, uh, conversation as well. And, and that one felt like it could have 
gone on for a long time. It had a lot of people in the chat as well asking questions, so that was that was great. And that was one neat thing about the virtual conference format, which is different than the live panels that I've been to. You know, if you're at a live panel and you're in the audience, you're listening to people talk. There's the it's sometimes hard to hear, I think, depending on how, how good the sound is. And then there's some dynamics of the way the panel could be or the way the moderator is doing things. And it can be hard to ask questions. Um, there's always that you have to get up and go to the mic and wait to ask your question. And the conversation can change in the midst of, you know, while you're waiting to do that. With a virtual panel, you can basically just write your question. And it, it appears, you know, the, the platform we were using was called StreamYard. And it does a good job of having like a list of comments that people can, you can see those comments as people are asking them. And people can almost, they can see each other's comments. So they can sort of respond to each other as the conversation progresses. And then a moderator who's in the background can move. Like if you don't have time to watch all those comments, like I did have time to do that. So it wasn't totally overwhelming. But the moderator in the background could move comments to a private chat so that the people taking part in the panel could see them. It worked really well. So you can get a sense of kind of feedback from the audience. You know, you'd think that doing a virtual panel, you wouldn't be getting a lot of visual feedback from the room. But I think based on that, those those comments we were getting there, we, we were getting some feedback from folks. And so that was that worked really well. And I think it, it gives people an opportunity to ask questions or to participate that might not normally get that. So for me, like the idea of a virtual convention was kind of great. Like it, it really sort of straddles the line more towards a class or an opportunity to hear some writers talk about something that you're curious about that you wouldn't get normally. You'd have to travel to go there. And then it's like a whole other thing to be part of the convention. One cool thing about the SFF con was it was free for folks that just wanted to log in and, and watch the panels or listen. There's also a discord that was set up. And if you're not familiar with Discord, like basically it's a, it's a site that came out of gaming, but it allows you really easily to make chat rooms and to kind of just stand up a community really quickly where people can interact and ask questions and, and stuff like that. And so there was even like a virtual bar in Discord. And that's one thing people love about conventions a lot. It's, they call it BarCon, you know, and there's good and bad things about that, but you can go hang out with people in a social way. And so there were chat rooms like that. Um, and admittedly, I'm not great at Discord. Like, it's not part of my kind of social media workflow, workflow, and I probably should be better about that. But there's been a lot of good activity in that discon that that Discord. So it'll be curious actually to see how that if it continues on. You know, um, as Amy looks at doing, uh, you know, events down the road. And so the other thing, you know, I, I mentioned it's free. That was good. The I want to say the platform StreamYard was not terribly expensive. I think for the number of streams that we did, it was around a hundred bucks, maybe two hundred dollars at the most. And then everything was simulcast on Facebook, and so through Facebook groups, um, Amy was able to make uh, an event listing for each panel, and people could ask questions and also, you know, save the event listing to their their Facebook. And everything is saved on YouTube, so there's a YouTube channel where folks could go and watch all the panels after the fact. And that's something I haven't looked in, looked at and I need to to see if folks are asking questions or interacting on the YouTube channel to see what that's going to look like. But that's always cool because you can go back later and re-listen to something if you missed it. Or, you know, I, I'm pretty sure Amy is going to make things available in audio, but I will sometimes use different tools. Like there's one called, um, I think it's Y2Mate. If you, you know, if you Google 
MP3 download YouTube. There's plenty of tools out there, but basically you can rip a stream as an MP3 and then save it to your phone and listen to it later on. And I do that all the time with video stuff on YouTube. And, and so I think that's a great way to kind of spread the message and get more people interested in the con. And again, it gets back to what I was talking about with consistency. Like Amy could have really, you know, rubbed her hands together worrying about what this was going to be like, but bringing in folks to help, not being afraid to ask for help, but also not being afraid to jump in and, and start. And that's really, I think, for me, one of the important takeaways. Um, some things I want to talk about down the road are, you know, what, what big ideas am I thinking about? What big things would I like to create or challenge myself with? And for Amy and where she is in her career, like, this is also awesome. I almost felt like, like, I don't know what level of stress she was feeling with this, but the way that she portrayed it, uh, this might've been too easy for her. <laughs> like I can just see it getting bigger from here. And that's, that's awesome. Uh, if, you know, if we chalk up things that are coming out of COVID, this is another thing like people engaging with and kind of embracing these virtual methods of, of coming together. I think it's, it's really cool. So that was good. So I just had a break on this side where my dog ran up to my office door and was barking his head off. And in the midst of checking that, I realized that I had not been recording video, which <laughs> this is going to be an audio only episode, which is easier for me anyway, because I'm, I'm not used to doing video and getting all that set up takes more time than I like. So I'm still not sure if video is really helpful to me. I can still, you know, if you're listening on YouTube, you'll probably see that I, I can post this stuff to YouTube. It just doesn't have the video component, which if you want any traction on YouTube, that's the way to do it. I don't really care about traction on YouTube, but I would like the uh, audio stuff to be available there. So, oh, well. Um, yeah, so that was SF, FCON, and I think it's a great example of jumping in and doing something. The key, I think, will be how do we keep the ball rolling? And, we're in a, you know, was there, was there enough energy created to do that? And I, I think there was. I think involving people in it, doing things like the Discord, you know, as much as I dislike Facebook, Facebook is a good tool to create and stand up quickly groups of people that I, I could see this going forward and being something great. So that was exciting. Kind of related to that, some other things that have been going on recently that caught my attention. Um, Jay Thorne from the Career Author Podcast, they recently went through an ending of their podcast. I think I talked about that last week. Well, he has started a new kind of endeavor called Revolution FI. And if you go to www.revolutionfi.com, he's kind of pivoting into doing financial planning and things like that for creatives, but sort of the the fire movement, the uh, financial independence, retire early. But if you're a creative, I think there's a lot to learn from that community. And he's also doing it under his, his actual name, Tim. So if you see Tim, don't be, why isn't this Jay Thorne? But I think the takeaway there is that he's doing something interesting where he's he's podcasting every day and he kind of doesn't have his direction set yet. He just wanted to start, like he knows he wants to do this and he just want, wanted to get started. So he's got kind of a basic outline of what he's going to podcast about each day, what he wants to talk about, things he wants to explore, and then kind of see who comes and wants to be part of the project. So that's cool. I think the thing I'm waiting to see is like how or what is this going to be monetized in some way? What What's that's going to look like? But 
you know, I think anytime you want information and you can get it distilled from folks, I mean, one of the things about financial planning or financial information is there's so much of it out there and you have to sort through so many forums or, you know, when I first started, I was listening to a lot of Dave Ramsey. And while that could be really inspiring, you also have to wade through a lot of just Dave Ramsey being Dave Ramsey, and that would get on my nerves a lot. <laughs> so if you're not on his his wavelength, it can get kind of irritating. He's also rather simplistic, I think, and he doesn't base things on kind of real life sometimes. So there's a lot of other great forums out there, like the Bogleheads Forum or the Reddit Personal Finance Forum. But again, you're kind of depending on random people, and there you can, after a while, get a sense of what is what is general information that makes sense because enough people are saying the same thing over and over again, but it can be helpful to get that distilled from one person. And so I think he's going to be doing more of that and, and approaching it from the creative lens and an entrepreneurial creative entrepreneurial background that I think will be really valuable for folks. So I'm excited to see where that goes. There's the Facebook group. If you search for revolution FI and then the website revolutionfi.com. And then that ties into the last thing that I wanted to recommend, which is the latest Tim Ferriss episode where he interviewed Seth Godin. Seth Godin has a new book out, um, which I just close my, uh, it's called practice, which it's about, uh, in fact, I think the subtitle is shipping creative work. And so that's what has had me thinking about a lot of these things, but that interview sort of dovetailed right into what I've been looking at. Um, so I'm curious to check out the book. It's also interesting to look at the reviews and see how there's, it either seems to have five-star reviews or one-star reviews. <laughs> and some of that could just be people hating on Seth Godin, uh, which, you know, he's reached the point now where he's so pithy and has so many, you know, everything the guy says is like a, you know, a Zen Cohen that you got to sit and think about for a while. But the main takeaway from the interview was about being consistent and he talks about how he made a decision at one point in his career that he would rather be consistent than perfect and that has how that has served him over time and then also about decisions that he made where what did he want to be a business person or a creative person and depending on how you approach this kind of stuff that can be kind of woo woo but ultimately yeah if you want to be creative if you want to have a creative career you do have to make a decision that you know, I could make a lot more money managing a Target store, but I would rather tell stories for a living and have the freedom and flexibility that that provides me. And so those are things to, like, how can I then maximize that career to take care of me and my family and still get to be fulfilled while I do it? You know, I think that's that's a different approach. And and throughout the conversation, it's a great conversation. Throughout it, he has a lot of good examples of people who have kind of pivoted in their career and made decisions in some ways, you know, you listen to, uh, like he has one one example of REM making a decision to stop touring, and then they all played different instruments, which, I can't remember which album it was, I think it was it was prior to uh, Automatic, it was not Automatic for the People, um, but anyway, they made some decisions about themselves as artists, and that brought about a change in their path that then led to some huge hits for them. It did sound like a lot of these examples, people have financial financial security when they make these decisions, but um, it's still an interesting thing to think about. Like what, what are, as a creative, what are you doing to kind of feed that well, as my friend Charles Akeke likes to say, what are you doing to, um, to keep refilling your creative energy and doing it in a way that uh, 
serves your audience or also drills down into who is actually your audience. That's something that he talks about. You know, the idea of the thousand true fans is getting to a point where it's almost a hundred true fans can sustain a career as long as you are doing exactly what they want or serving them in a way that they are willing to support. There's, I think there's a lot more to think about with that. So I don't want to say that that's the only way to do things going forward, because I think that can lead to some tunnel vision and sort of the filter bubble stuff that we have right now, but it's still a thing to think about. Like, what are you doing to really define that audience? And that's something that he talks about in the, uh, in the episode. So I'll link to that in the show notes. If you don't listen to Tim Ferriss, you, you kind of always have to listen to like the first 30 seconds of the podcast and then skip forward to six minutes. <laughs> if you want to support him, like definitely, you know, and you have the time, listen to the advertisements, but there's, there's a lot of advertisements at the beginning and then at the end. And it tends to be the same stuff over and over again. So I'll just say that I don't want to send somebody to his podcast and then come back and see like there was five minutes of advertisement in this podcast. Like, yeah, that's a lot of, you know, professional podcasts. That's what they're doing. So, so yeah, the, that was something that, um, I would definitely recommend other things I've been working on, uh, goal wise. So I have, I'm three weeks into intermittent fasting and the plan that I'm doing is basically, um, I only eat from noon until six and this has been, I've been kind of on a freeze for a long time. Like I, something I have not talked about in the previous podcast is that I am reaching a, a point and have been progressing to a point in my life where, um, I'm overweight and I just have to, you know, accept that. And I, I don't want to accept that. I have to do something about it. <laughs> I feel in a lot of ways, I'm at a place where like things are catching up with me in my life. You know, I was a, a pretty aggressive runner up until maybe, I don't know, 34, 35, when work and life kind of got in the way. And then I stopped running and stopped working out consistently. And a lot of other stuff, you know, I started a distillery. And when you start a distillery, you drink a lot of alcohol. And with COVID, I have actually stopped drinking for the longest sustained period um, in my life. And I think I'm on 200, I'm on day like 220 at this point. And it didn't bring about any massive drastic change like I kind of expected. You know, you hear people say they stop drinking and they automatically start losing weight. That didn't happen for me. I lost about five pounds, which felt like, you know, a night of drinking beer. <laughs> but I, it still, I felt better. I had reached a point with alcohol where it just really wasn't doing me any good. And going to the bottle return was such a pain in the neck uh, here locally that we have these consolidated bottle return places that it's just a, it's a journey to go there, wait in line, turn in your bottles, just deal with the people that are there. It's not, not my favorite. And with COVID, I realized that I was basically, also I was buying groceries on like a two and three week, you know, turnaround. And so you, when you realize like, if you drink a six pack a night, that's a, that's a lot. That's a lot of beer to be buying at one time. Not to say I was always doing that, but it really makes it, it makes you aware of these little things you might be doing on a daily basis that are adding up over time. So, so I stopped and it's been, it's actually been good. I found myself, I'm sleeping a lot better. I have a lot more focus during the day, but I wasn't necessarily losing weight and it is something I want to do. I've got type two diabetes in my family and other health related issues due to weight. I've had, you know, a lot, most of the men in my family have had heart attacks. That's kind of what tends to, to get them. And so I wanted to make a change, but I tried a few different things and it wasn't, really wasn't working. Calorie counting was just frustrating me. 
and this has been working so far. Like I find it much easier to stop eating at 6 p.m. And if I don't, if I don't give in to wanting like ice cream or a snack, you know, later in the evening, like sit in front of the TV and, you know, eat some chips, then push through until I go to bed. And then I wake up and I just don't eat until noon rolls around. And then so far I've kind of been letting myself eat whatever I want, but that has decreased over time. I find myself being less hungry. And so since I've started that, I've, I've lost about 10 pounds, um, which actually feels a little more aggressive than I wanted to do. One of the things that I can't remember where I first saw this, but it has been very effective in times when I have lost weight in the past. If you take an Excel document, open it up and go ahead and, you know, one column is just the date and go ahead and fill in a year, 365 days. And you can do that by, you know, the first cell, you just make today's date. And then the next cell, you do that plus one and then go ahead and fill that in. That makes it boom. That's all your days are filled in. Then on the first day, do your current weight. And the last day of the year, put your goal weight. And then if you highlight between those two numbers and do a sequential fill, which is something that Excel makes pretty easy, it will step all the way from, you know, where you are now to where you could be in a year. And it'll help you see like actually kind of how gradual you can do that over time. I think where it gets challenging and I've, I've, I'm not going to act like I haven't done this before and failed at tracking it because I definitely have, um, is you still just have to consistently do it. And I know they say that, you know, you shouldn't weigh yourself every day, but for me, I've found that, okay, if weighing myself every day, and then if I gained weight, I need to really cut back on whatever it is I'm eating. If I lost weight, well, I can kind of just not think about it, although I'm still decreasing what I've been eating over time. And it, it appears to be working. So I don't want to delve too deep into this because I'm sure if you are a person who's been concerned about your weight, I'm not saying anything you don't know. Um, and those resources are definitely out there. Um, but it's been working for me and I'll, I'll keep you posted on that because my health is something that's been, I've been thinking about it. And I think as a, if you're in a creative career, it's a thing you need to think about, you know, both, am I staying healthy or am I working out too much? And could I injure myself or things like that, which ties into like health insurance, which I talked about, talked about last time, but that's a thing that, um, is, is working for me so far. So if you haven't heard about intermittent fasting, there's a lot of resources out there. Reddit is a really good resource. There's an intermittent, intermittent fasting subreddit that you can check out. And there's a lot of first time questions in there, but a lot of helpful people that are willing to kind of like spoon feed the information, you know? Um, so that's been going well. And and yeah, it really feels like this last week just flew by. Um, my goals for this week coming up are just to continue this streak of being consistent, doing consistent work. I have some editing to do on the Vagabond Space book, and then I'm also continuing my writing on Galaxy Sword, which is the um, the kind of Conan in space is what I've been calling it. I just finished this weekend kind of the first major section of that book, which I'm feeling right now is, is too slow, but I'm getting into the part that's going to have a lot more action. So I'm excited to just keep rolling with that. And then if I need to come back... And look at the other, the beginning piece, I'll do that. I did not make the word counts that I hoped to get, and I'm not sure why. Like, it still just feels like every day, if I don't get something accomplished by, like, I don't know, um, even 11 o'clock, like, it kind of feels like the day is lost, and I want to try and get past that. And I don't know if that's pushing on with just more to-do lists or really more focusing on time blocking and being 
in the hour, on the hour, making every minute count. But that's something I've been struggling with, which this podcast I'm actually hoping will help me be more accountable about that. And on the one hand, you know, you could say, well, those process things aren't going to fix the the story if the story isn't working for me. And the story is working. I just have not been able to focus. And I, I it's a feeling I've ha- honestly had a lot of this year. I was really focused on projects up through... I want to say the end of June when I finished Galactic Law 4. Like that book came really quickly. It was easy to know where the story was going and how the characters were working. And since then, I've just had a really tough time getting back into a project. I finished the first draft of Vagabond Space and wasn't super happy with it. Still wasn't feeling like it was cohesive in the way I want it to be. And I'm not sure where that feeling is coming from. It, there, it could just be my new way of working. It, you know, I'm not trying to squeeze writing in around another job. It could be everything else that's going on in the world, which is entirely possible. But the fact is I, I have to get the work done. I need to be able to hold the story in my head, hold the characters in my head, and push forward. The other thing I could tell myself is that you're in the drafting phase, and this is the time to just push ahead and come back to it while editing and fix these things that aren't working for you. But if I look at next year and maybe wanting to pursue a goal of getting 80,000 words done in a month, which if you're not used to writing every day, that can seem like a lot. But honestly, it's only about 4,000 words a day, which is, you know, when I'm on a good day, that's maybe three hours of work. So so rather than complain about it for minutes upon minutes, I'll just sharing that that's what I'm struggling with right now. And I'll let you know how it goes next week. So goals for next week, I am going to record another podcast. I want to maintain my uh, streak with that. I am jumping into Fire Upon the Worlds with Mallory Cooper. We're going to be finishing up that book. I've got some notes from her that I need to go through. And and then it's just keep pushing on with Galaxy Sword and putting a, an hour a day into the editing on Vagabond Space so I can keep keep rocking with that. I want to send out a newsletter on letting folks know about the SFF con panels and the YouTube channel, because now they can basically just go and, and watch that. And I think that's a pretty good offer as far as emails go. I am going to need to make one of my first big asks here pretty soon. I want to send out this email with the, the SFF con panels. And then I'm going to go ahead and ask folks to be beta readers for me. And cause I need to really get that team together. So I have something to, you know, folks to share my work next year with. So I'm going to start putting some work into, into that. So I'll keep you posted on that. Those are some pretty, you know, big check marks that just need to be done. I'm also working on a short story in the background because my local writers group, we're going to be meeting up at the end of the month. And I, I really want to have something to share with them, which I have not done in the past. So yeah, thank you for listening. I'll share the links to the the different podcasts, the Seth Godin interviews, uh, so you can listen to those, as well as a link to his new book. I have not read it yet, so I'm going to pick that up, probably an audiobook, and give it a listen and then talk about it uh, on a future episode. But again, thanks for checking in, and I will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.